Warning, the following podcast contains explicit language, so if you're gonna listen, you have to promise not to tell. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by the new restroom option for trans people in North Carolina. From the makers of Transporta Potty Mobile Colostomy Systems, presenting The Demijohn. It's a large jug that sits on the floor between the men's room and the ladies' room and offers the perfect solution for anyone born with the wrong amount of penises for the indoor facilities. The Demijohn, because it's not okay to trans pee in the cis pool. And now, the skating atheist. This is Adam, and we did in fact evolve from filthy monkey glory holes. It's Thursday. It's June 2nd. And when I'm in charge of the zoo, the monkey gets to eat the kid. Hey, the monkey got what he deserved. <laughs> a kid. And then somebody shot him. I'm No Illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from boxed wine country, Valdosta, Georgia, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, an act of bovine intervention... <laughs> Jim Baker becomes the world's least successful Mexican powder salesman. And the lead singer of the formerly Christian band The Order of Elijah will be here to tell us what the formerly thing is all about. But first, the diatribe. You know where the word slave comes from? I don't know, maybe, maybe this is one of those things that everybody already knew but me, and now I'm just that guy pointing out the arrow and the FedEx logo. But I just learned this the other day, and I found it fascinating. Okay, so it comes from Slav, right, as in Slavic people. And even if you didn't know that leading, that probably would have been your guess. That's kind of obvious, but the reason why is pretty fucked up. See, back in medieval days, most of the people buying slaves in Europe were Muslims. Not that Christians were more moral or anything. They just didn't generally have money for slaves in the same numbers that Muslims did. But according to Muslim law, you're not allowed to own people of the book. So that meant that Jews and Christians were off the table, as, of course, were other Muslims. So in order to get around this prohibition, Christian slave traders would always advertise their stock as Slavs. You know, the, the Slavic regions were overwhelmingly pagan at the time. So no matter what kind of olive-skinned Spaniard you were putting up on the auction block, you'd call him a Slav. And sure, he would tell you he was Christian, but that's only because he knows if he says that, you're not allowed to own him. But he definitely came from from bondage Slavia, and I only ever drove him to church on Sundays. Now, based on what we see in the historical record, nobody was fooled by this shit. Right. Not the Muslims buying the Christians, not the Christians selling the Christians, not the Islamic authorities tasked with enforcing this inner Abrahamic slave ban, not the Roman Catholic Church that was tasked with keeping Christians from selling other Christians. Everybody knew it was bullshit and nobody cared. Everybody had plausible deniability. And even though that shouldn't matter if your actions are being judged by an all knowing mind reader, it was apparently all they needed. Because whether it's Buddhists cobbling together a just war doctrine or Jews wrapping a string around their neighborhood and calling the public streets a courtyard or Muslims owning Slavic people that only seem to speak Italian or good Christian girls with tight vaginas and spacious assholes, every religion has managed to find a way around its moral dictates as soon as they inconvenience a sufficient number of their followers. Now, that's probably not an inherent flaw in religion, mind you. It's just part of the evolutionary process. You got to figure at a certain point that sect of Buddhism that was sticking with the nonviolence thing got the fuck killed out of them by the sect that wasn't. And sure, you can point to a couple examples of uncompromising pacifist sects in all the major world religions, but you know they only persist as long as they're surrounded by 
non-pacifist sects of that same religion. I, hell, even the Quakers weren't above paying some Indians to kill some other Indians when pacifism got inconvenient enough. So ultimately, the end result is that almost every religion is a system designed to phrase moral dictates in such a way as to be maximally ambiguous while sounding maximally explicit. In other words, religions aren't methods of instilling morality, but rather methods of circumventing it. And if you think about it for a second, of course they are, because we don't need a method of instilling morality. Morality, in its most basic sense, is innate. Science has demonstrated that over and over again. You show a three-month-old baby a video where one doll is nice and the other is mean, and 87% of the time, that baby wants to play with the nice doll. You know, as soon as babies are capable of coordinated movement, they exhibit signs of compassion and empathy. I mean, hell, animals exhibit morality, and none of them have given their lives over to Christ or studied the Hadith. But innate morality doesn't come with loopholes, right? If you're doing a bad thing, you know it. A couple of psychological disorders aside. And if you want to make good people do bad shit in mass, you have to find a way to short-circuit their natural tendency towards not fucking over their fellow human. Of course, this could be done through fear and threats and shit, but history has shown that it's far more effective if you just trick people into thinking that they're doing the moral thing, right? So the way you do that is you hijack the innate morality, you assign it an author, you set yourself up to speak for that author, and then you tell everybody he changed his mind. You know, nobody has to teach you that fair is better than unfair or that helping is better than harming. In other words, nobody at the base of Mount Sinai would have been like, oh, don't murder people and take their shit. That's an interesting suggestion. I, I can see how that might work out. Yeah, that, that's why the Ten Commandments don't spend much time on truly immoral shit. They, they need attack on all the dumb shit, like not wishing to the wrong magic statue. So they toss in a couple of fucking duh declarations on either side of them. And then they say, with a straight face, for thousands of years, that not working on Saturday is an equivalent moral imperative to not murdering each other. And admittedly, I, secular moral codes aren't perfect, but at least they have the decency to admit as much. Right. Secular laws come from the same flawed humans as religious ones, but they're not hiding it behind a curtain, which means we're allowed to second guess them, to amend them, to repeal or replace them. But when your laws derive their authority from the omnipotent, inerrant word of the almighty, there's no review process. Maybe you can loophole your way around some of them and a la carte your way around some others. But I'm guessing that if you put God's word to a vote, the majority of Hasidic Jews would agree that God no longer gives a fuck about pushing buttons on the Sabbath. And of course, this is inevitable. The simple passage of time guarantees that even where religious laws aren't immoral, they're still going to be obsolete as often as not. And that means you don't even need a nefarious player manipulating them from the top to bring about all sorts of detrimental shit. You leave a bunch of religious laws laying around long enough and one population can all but accidentally genocide another. All the various faiths like to build themselves as the source of morals, but that belies reality. At their best, religions are sources of moral confusion and at their worst, sources of moral abdication. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the Tom and Jerry of atheism, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to hand religion the dynamite cigar it so richly deserves? <laughs> well, I feel like centuries of science already handed it to them and watched it explode in their faces. Mm, yeah. And now they're like, see? Ashes and dust, just like the Bible told us would happen. <laughs> I think they did it themselves. I plan to paint a hole into the fossil record and then watch them run into it, get hit by a train. <laughs> In our lead story tonight, Eli was forced to rethink his nefarious plot to lick Ray Comfort's eyeball, despite all the reconnaissance work for which so many Bothans died, because a wrench was thrown in Ray's plans when he learned last week that showing up at a rally with a thousand people who want to talk to rally goers out of the thing they're rallying for is called a counter-protest, and for that you need permits and to 
stay in your little pen or whatever. And even if they got the permits, D.C. police made it clear that if Comfort persisted in approaching atheists to harass them about Jesus, he would be arrested. And I guess he just doesn't love Jesus enough to risk all that. Yeah, what a selfish asshole. Right? Might as well let us die in a broken elevator, even though he knew about it ahead of time and said no. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking rude. No, it should come as no surprise to any of our listeners, of course, that Ray Comfort is calling being forced to abide by the same rules that everybody else abides by persecution and insisted that we atheists would love to talk to him. And that's probably true, more or less. But D.C. police rightly predicted that a number of those conversations would involve non-consensual eyeball licking. So they elected to head that off at the pass. However, you send one tweet. Comfort (laughs) will still be allowed to attend with a film crew of about 17 people or 34 insufficiently hydrated eyeballs. So there's still hope. (laughs) (laughs) Stronger than them. (laughs) And by the way, like all the points for anyone that tricks Ray Comfort into holding a banana and reciting the Farnsworth. Oh, yes. Please send us that recording and Eli will lick your eyeball. (laughs) Yeah, I will fly to you and lick your eyeball. But wait, I'm confused. What is everyone else going to be doing at Reason Rally aside from bothering Ray Comfort? (laughs) How many speakers can talk about how much God there is? And I'm going to be like, yay, Bill Nye. But then I'm going to gather several thousand hours of YouTube footage with me and the Christians. That is my goal for Reason Rally. That's the point. And if you're wondering what Comfort now plans to do, by the way, with the $25,000 worth of Subway gift cards he announced he'd be giving away to atheists that gave him out-of-context defamatory video to splice, Comfort lamented, quote, We tried to show a little kindness and it didn't work, so it now looks like we'll be eating Subway sandwiches for the next 40 years, end quote. Sounds a lot like hell, but then apparently somebody (laughs) pointed out what an asshole that made him sound like because after a bunch of atheists asked why the fuck he didn't just give them to the homeless, he offered to donate the gift cards to the homeless. Oh, right. (laughs) Homeless. I mean, homeless atheists, but not, I mean, (laughs) crocodile. (laughs) And in a little birdie told me news tonight, what do your wacky aunt who thinks she's half gypsy and a parakeet have in common? Uh, sleep in a cage. Ooh, uh, sexually attractive. <laughs> uh, confusing true. to me. Uh, if you said they both do tarot card readings, then give yourself 10 points. <laughs> well, yeah. that's nice to hear. It's about time someone realized the potential of these birds. I mean, they're tied with humans at reading the future with tarot cards. Yeah, very right. impressive animals. <laughs> they are equally as good at that. It's yeah. true. This past week, The Atlantic released a short film on the subject, and honestly, if you want to go down an internet rabbit hole this week that I promise doesn't end up somewhere in terrible, do a little research on this subject and definitely watch the video. (laughs) There is nothing cuter or more despondent than watching these birds nonchalantly just, like, throw cards around until the guy gives them a seed. Honestly, I may make a career out of interpreting pug farts. That's how fantastic (laughs) this video is. Grumble sticks. Those are useful. Now, if you do, uh, please name Pug Farto Man see something that starts with a J. <laughs> Way too few pseudosciences that start with J. You got it. And r- regardless of the name, that's a great way to start a hedge fund. I'm just saying. <laughs> exactly. I am Jewish. But apparently, <laughs> the story isn't just shits and giggles. No, no. Apparently, parrot astrologers have become so common that forest oh. officials in India have started having to confiscate and free people's parrots, and there are increasing protests and outcry from the bird psychics. And I would give... <laughs> anything to watch that interaction take place because I live in New York City and I watch Orthodox Jews try to talk their way out of parking tickets. I'm guessing watching a guy try to talk a park ranger they should be able to keep his psychic bird is better. Even better. A high bar, but uh, I think you might be right. 
And in felony mutilation news tonight, despite the attempts of a very heroic cow, a woman in India was recently stabbed to death by her father and uncle as part of an honor killing. Way to bring it down. Which means she brought religious shame to her family, and in order to get back their good name, they needed to murder her. Pretty standard for India. But what makes this particular honor killing unique and newsworthy was the security camera video of the whole thing, including the part when a cow showed up and beat the shit out of her dad who was attacking her. I mean, sadly, it didn't save the woman's life, but it was delightful to watch an evil person get mauled by a cow and trampled. <laughs> While I imagined Indian Bob Saget narrating the cow's high-pitched voice. And Sorry, voice friend. Over. Looks like I'm going to have to move in on this one. There's <laughs> a laugh track. Oh, right. What you doing with that knife? Oh, look at I trampled. Oh, it's a shame it's such a tragic story, though, because there are a lot of puns that you could milk out of this one. But there's, there's just there's too much Angus. I mean anguish for me to make light of it. But I will say, it's my kind of hero in this story, right? <laughs> Kinds of right? Good yeah, yeah. All the other cows thought <laughs> she was past your prime, but then by the utter grace of God, she she shows up and isn't taking any bull. You know, I heard with no A that they edited this video down to a bovine, and I've got no beef with that. But I I do wish everyone had lived happily heifer after in the end. <laughs> Sirloin. <laughs> so here's the scary part. Of the story about a woman getting killed with knives. Uh-huh. Um, we know about the cow because, again, the two homicidal maniacs were stabbing their family member to death in plain view of a security camera. Um, why would there be a camera there? Great question. That's because their murdering spot appears to be a crowded storefront, just full of people walking past being like, Oh, it's probably an honor thing. None of my business. I feel like it'd be awkward if I say something. <laughs> That's clearly yeah. what's happening in the video. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Stabbing your daughter to death is to couple yelling loudly at each other on the subway as India is to America. I remember that SAT question. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in the herds, it's saying, like, if you see something, move something. <laughs> so- and from the putting the test back in testify file tonight, an ongoing investigation into a cheating scandal in the Clarksdale Municipal School District in Mississippi has turned up a new suspect this week, namely Jesus of Nazareth. It's always the Jews. Is, isn't it, though? <laughs> and the stunning disclosure came via former principal Lawanda Tyler Jones, who tried to lessen her responsibility in the scandal by making like Thomas and fingering Jesus. Thomas Smith? I feel like he told us that in confidence, man. That's not cool. <laughs> Did like three episodes again. Well, that was that was Jesus, I think. He said it was Jesus. <laughs> but according to Tyler Jones, the rapid and red flag raising improvement of her students on standardized tests had less to do with teachers standing at the front of the room reading which bubbles to color in and more to do with the fact that she prayed for those scores to improve. <laughs> Dear Jesus, please let my students fill in A on question 42. A, Tyler, I mean Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> The notes of my prayer song to Jesus are A, A, C, D, B, A, A, C. If anybody asks, those are the chords. Anyway, this revelation comes to us from one Walt Drain, the executive director of Student Assessment and Accountability, who is leading the investigation for the state's disciplinary hearing. According to Drain, Tyler Jones, quote, told the state education official that a dramatic increase on test scores was due to prayer, end quote, adding that she further ensured the success of her students when she, quote, anointed the desks, the pencils, the doorways, and also the students' heads with holy water, end quote. And oh my God, what an awesome mental image. Just like some kid coming in early, like, hey, teach what you're doing. Oh, just anointing these pencils. Cool. (laughs) 
Cool. Everybody use a number Trinity pencil. Big test coming up. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I think that water is going to fuck up my calculator. Oh, you're going to sing the answers? Oh, cool. Yeah, shouldn't cool. shouldn't no be a problem. And in on Morningstar news tonight, this past February, Jason Dalton shot and killed six people, wounding two others, including a child. But the good news is now we know why. You see, the devil made him do it mm-hmm. through his Uber app. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Pro- probably snuck in through all that rock music on Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> Satan just pulls up in a minivan of like putrid flesh. Hey, you called for an Uber? No, no, it's just it's just a costume and <laughs> paint job. I passed all the background checks. Right. They're, they're, they're very stringent. They do not check thoroughly. Uh, yeah. In reason number 1,467,962 of why we don't tell people Voldemort is real, apparently Dalton, who looks like a spree killer, like, really, don't, don't Google. Just, like, think spree killer. Now Google. <laughs> Weird, right? Like, ah, what I did. <laughs> Magic. Anyway, Dalton explained to the police, and I'm quoting the cops here, Dalton acknowledged that he recognized the Uber symbol as being that of the Eastern Star, and a devil head popped up on his screen, and when he pressed the button on the app, that is when all the problems started. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, well, but just for a second, try to imagine how fucked up this dude's story would have been if that's not where the problem started. <laughs> you know, like, like shit's so fucked up in his life that he just tacks that onto the end of his tirades. Like, and then my devil phone starts telling me to go on a murder spree, so now I gotta deal with that too. Fuck. <laughs> Wait, but here's the question. In the quote, it says he hit the app, like he pressed the button on the app. Right. The devil appeared on the screen and he's like, all right, next screen. I want to see how this plays out. <laughs> Swipe right. So he then goes on in this like police interview, I guess, to explain that when Lucifer, the morning star, appeared on his phone, the app turned from black to red. And honestly, I feel like that should have been his first clue. I mean, if you don't have an update and the symbol changes, it's pretty obviously the devil. That's the only explanation. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, you can pay for the premium app that, that, you know, doesn't have Satan, the prince of darkness inside, but it's five <laughs> bucks. You're about to get an upgrade on your phone. It never seems like it's going to be worth it. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So stupid. After all, what kind of asshole would believe their phone is possessed? (laughs) Brian, it's me. Listen, Brian. Satan, go to Wendy's, buy a Frosty, and fuck it. Fuck it hard, Brian. Yes, you, Brian. (laughs) You, with dark hair and glasses, listening while you drive. I, Satan, want you to fuck a Frosty. Good times. There's like three people <laughs> fucking freaking out right now. Three guys just statistically they're like <laughs> just halfway yes, into a frosty. By the way, when Eli believes himself to have full control over another person's will, he uses it to make them copulate with milkshakes. <laughs> At this point, that should not surprise you, honestly. <laughs> what would you guys do? <laughs> the value size, Brian. The va- I've seen what you're packing. You need fucking Magnum Frosty, relax. All right. Next up in headlines. From the MewTube file, in response to a recent wave of Western imperialism in the form of cat pictures and cat videos on the Internet, (laughs) Sheikh Saleh bin Fawzan al-Fawzan from the Saudi Council of Senior Clerics did a TV appearance to deliver a very important message. And it went something like this. Dear people of Saudi Arabia. Don't be distracted by the fact that I look like Rabbi Tuckman on the way into a boxing ring. Ignore that. <laughs> on the cat issue, we have a team of people working on this, and it's been decided that taking a photograph of a cat is strictly forbidden by Islamic teachings. <laughs> Freaking hands go up. What if it's wearing a burqa? <laughs> 
guys, I think we finally found a way for everyone on the internet to criticize Islam. Just cut to Reza Aslan burning a Koran too far. Too far. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it took him a while to get there. But the reason for the ban on internet cat stuff, according to the Sheikh, is because taking pictures is apparently banned in general, unless it's an absolute necessity, I guess. Yeah, she, she's got to ask for a dick pic, not just deserve one. <laughs> <laughs> so when asked about this new trend of Muslims being seduced by the hedonism of Western cat pictures, the Sheikh responded, quote, what do you mean pictures with cats? Taking pictures is prohibited. The cats don't matter here. End quote. So, <laughs> trick question. I guess, like, yeah. They already banned all photographs. Unless, of course, I guess you're in like a back to the future type scenario, in which case a life-saving Polaroid would be allowed. But, but otherwise, <laughs> no pictures. Yeah, I mean, I was having a lot of trouble coming up with an absolutely necessary photograph. But then I remember we were talking about Islam. So, you know... Maybe you're getting raped and there are only three sympathetic people watching. You need to snap a pic for that critical fourth witness. I I never realized how much Islamic rape and dogma debate had in common. (laughs) If you aren't picturing David Smalley sighing and clearing his throat during a gang rape, then you are not the listeners we know and love. (sighs) So whenever you're done. (laughs) So. If you're keeping score at home, um, Muslims should now be avoiding Pokemon, chess, slutty food, and pictures of any kind. So Uh, basically, my high school experience (laughs) (laughs) about the pictures. And still Jews, just like Norm. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And and you can't take pictures of them either. Well, that's because they don't show up on film, but (laughs) it's true, Dan, either way. It's true. Poster for Gam is actually just a shaved orangutan. And with the depressing realization that Grumpy Cat got his fatwa before me, I'm going to need a few minutes to re-examine my goals and the ways I'm getting there. So we're going to take a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. It is a slut, right? Cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Misogyny. You know, there are a few things I've encountered that are creepier than the amount of thought Christians put into how much of a teenager's tits they can see. And this is coming from somebody who talks to Eli once a week, y'all. Once a week. But even with all of that to prepare me, I was still appreciably creeped out once again this week when I read our first story. This one is about an all-girls college in New Zealand called St. Dominic's and the rules for their upcoming seniors' ball. So before I read these rules, keep in mind... They're for college seniors, 21 and 22-year-olds. One, a split on the dress can only be up to the knee. Two, the back of the dress cannot go below the armpit. Three, there must be no cleavage at all. Four, you cannot take off your shoes no matter how sore your feet get. Five, you must be in a serious relationship in order to bring a ball date. The first three I get. Fuck, I've done this segment long enough to know that if Christian boys see too much elbow in an educational environment, the school turns into an all-you-can-rape buffet. People just fucking soap dispensers and shit. But four and five are creepy even for Catholic schools. As far as the shoe thing goes, either they were expecting Quentin Tarantino to come to this senior ball and wanted to keep their soap dispensers semen-free, or they think their students were all the wicked stepmothers from Cinderella. Either way... That's fucked up. And the last one, you must be in a serious relationship to bring a date. How exactly are they measuring that? 
I'm just imagining some girl getting grilled like Andy McDowell and Green Card just to get into the door. And and speaking of serious relationships, let me quickly make you forget all about this little warm-up story and turn to the truly demented portion of today's program. And for this story, we start last April when Kevin Strawn's 14-year-old daughter was raped and impregnated by one Aaron Seaton. So what did Dad do? Well, if you're hoping for Liam Neeson in a Taken-type situation, you'll be disappointed to learn that this meat-sleeve solution was to bring the girl to her rapist and force them to marry. <laughs> That's right. Rather than, oh, I don't know, killing and eating his daughter's rapist, this motherfucker decided to add him to the family tree. But don't worry. He got some harsh justice. That's right. He'll be doing a whole 120 days in jail for his crimes. And you'll know when he gets out because that's when you'll see me on the news turning this bigot into a coat. And since we're already talking rape, I might as well depress you even more with our final story of the week. This is the story of a little girl who, at the age of six, confided in her church elders that she was being routinely raped by her father. And guess who the church reported it to over the following three years? If you said, not a goddamn soul, you've probably heard of churches before. In fact, it wasn't until years later when the girl confided in her mother and a counselor, you know, people outside the wizardry world of Harry Potter, that the Oregon Department of Human Services got involved. Almost like having a make-believe support structure for children is detrimental to the kids who need a real one. And now I face the impossible task of trying to put a positive spin on this. But fuck it. I hear rumors of Mexican food poop jokes coming up, so I'll leave you all bummed the fuck out. And with hopes that they can cheer you back up, I'll hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in baby mama drama news tonight, a Saudi man was arrested this week for the attempted murder of his wife's obstetrician because while delivering her baby, he saw her naked. <laughs> oh, no, wait, the the wife or the baby? <laughs> because, because either way that's pretty fucked up but one way gives us a much funnier visual so. I'm, I'm picturing a Muslim baby girl getting born with a, a burqa onesie yeah it's yeah, like a Pac-Man ghost it's adorable exactly. am I doing they, it right? they slide out easier that way <laughs> <laughs> wet cloth so according to Gulf News after this doctor helped this woman give birth her husband called and asked him if they could like meet up to thank him for helping deliver the baby and when he did he pulled out a hidden gun and shot him Fucking Western imperialism. Am I right, Reza? Reza gets it. He knows. He knows. <laughs> yeah, that doctor never should have invaded Iraq. Right? <laughs> Were you looking at x-rays of my wife, you bastard? Relax, man. It was just the dental ones. It was There's just the a reason I x-rays. cover up her teeth. That's the best part. <laughs> now, the good news is the doctor is going to be fine, but apparently this has actually caused some, like, controversy because some commenters are saying the female gynecologist should have been given priority, so... Good lesson. If you live in the part of the world labeled holy fucking shit under religious stupid, probably best to ask, mind if I sneak a peek at that cooch before you deliver a baby? <laughs> Protest. Protest. And ask the husband, of course. But that's his job, regardless. <laughs> and in the only way New Jersey and appeals find themselves in the same story news tonight, New Jersey governor and man who likes his bridges like he likes his arteries, Chris Christie, has yet another excuse to wear that perpetually harumphy expression after a New Jersey appeals court rejected his proposal to give $11 million of taxpayer money to a couple of religious universities. I don't know. I'm reading this list. I don't think Krispy Kreme University is real. <laughs> well, but it could have been. It could have been <laughs> if it wasn't for those meddling kids at American United for Separation of Church and State, the ACLU of New Jersey, and a couple other groups that elected to sue the state over this blatant First Amendment violation. <laughs> 
He looks like a hostess always just told him there's a 45-minute wait to get a table. <laughs> Every oh, time he's about to take a the picture. The only expression he's got. Doesn't matter we which expression. We should go somewhere else. <laughs> Can we go somewhere else? <laughs> now, the proposed grants were part of a $1.3 billion effort to improve New Jersey's institutions of higher learning, including over $600,000 earmarked for the Princeton Theological Seminary, which exists only to train Christian ministers in the proper use of Jesus magic, but probably includes a minor in obfuscating pedophilia charges, and a grant of over $10.5 million for Beth Medrash Gavoha, an all-male rabbinical school that trains Jewish rabbis in the proper use of Moses magic, but also probably includes a minor in not telling your children they're not allowed to play with that. (laughs) (laughs) This is our Leave Your Child with the Magician while you go take a 40-minute gefilte fish shit department. We have 30 professors total in the library. This is where we make General Zod's pajamas and kimonos for pilgrims. Also 30 professors. If they could vote, I think they'd they'd upgrade the uh, outfit as well. Of course, after seeing his plans to play Kool-Aid Man with the Wall of Separation thwarted, Chris Christie also commented on the ruling, though my inability to recreate the jowl clicks would render a reading of the quote useless. Also, I don't know how to pronounce U-U-H-A-U-H, but I think it's... uh, Fun fact, anyone can do a Chris Christie impersonation. You just blow through a Chipotle burrito like a recorder. It doesn't matter where your fingers are. It just, whatever way you turn it, you get one of his debate performances. (laughs) Chris Christie shows up on a horse to take you to a different world. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Don't blow on it if you don't need me. I came all the way here. Aww. Sound like guacamole coming out of a super soaker. I always look like I sat on my balls because I did. (laughs) And finally tonight, from the cookbook of Revelation file, end times preacher, convicted felon, and Clark Kent version of Colonel Sanders, Jim Baker, (laughs) made some waves in the dehydrated culinary world last week when he added a new product to his line of freeze-dried apocalypse food. And... He clearly found out that we ordered a bucket of his original recipe, so now he's decided to release an awesome new Mexican version for Spike. bastard. <laughs> because I obviously would have loved that. Right? And as the angel poured out the seventh bowel, <laughs> we're going to build a wall in people's colons and they're going to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, the new uh, Mexican style version is called the Fiesta Bucket. Oh, Delicious. Sounds like the name for a sex act with a donkey. <laughs> Probably and feels like it, too. <laughs> <laughs> also the name of a restaurant across the street from the donkey show where you might see someone perform that movie. <laughs> I think it's like a Tijuana Hot Pocket, but inverted. Oh, I mm, see. Reverse Caliente <laughs> Pocket? Doesn't matter. Anyway, here's what Jim Baker had to say about the new item. He claims the Fiesta Bucket, quote, passes the official Mexican test. What? And is... Mexican food that real life Mexicans approve of. What? Oh, End amazing. Quote. The real official words. Mexican test. Yep. Okay, from what I know of his politics, he probably hired a bunch of day laborers to rape his food buckets, but I, I would <laughs> strangle a fucking puppy to know what real life Mexicans was like as opposed to. <laughs> so tell me, Pablo, does this pass the Mexican test? Si, senor. That's a Chinese guy. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> He's real life, though. He's wearing a sombrero. <laughs> All right, so quick review. Um, Jim Baker, who looks like he spent the last 40 years trying to decide between the cup in front of him or the cup in front of the pirate, <laughs> owes the American taxpayers a huge amount of money 
and he's trying to pay it off by selling buckets of edible spackle to idiots. Mm-hmm. And, and now us. spackle with pepper, I yeah. guess, too. <laughs> and don't worry, just like the original version, the new Mexican buckets can still be used as furniture. Mm-hmm are equally effective at avoiding the Zika virus global pandemic mm-hmm. and are equally useful when your neighbors start eating babies. <laughs> all of which are very conceivable. <laughs> and that's why we're going to go ahead and put 30 seconds on the clock. Figure we might. Ideas for the Mexican-themed apocalypse buckets. Go. Oh, awesome. All right. Um, I'm sure the Mexican Jews already took care of the quesadilla side, so how about some chili con carnage with a little pico de gallos? Uh-huh. How about some rapturos? <laughs> well, dessert. I was actually thinking crunch rapture supreme. Oh, there you go. Uh. This is the end chilada. End <laughs> chilada. For whom the Taco Bell tolls. Uh, how about some holy guacamole for when God pours out the seventh burrito bowl? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and there shall be a mighty wind. <laughs> what about uh, Judgment Day Leche? It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel flan. <laughs> flan. <laughs> Um, let's, okay, so when God removes his grace from the world, there will be no empathy, and that's kind of like an empanada, but, but, but fuck it. I'm gonna go with frijole judgment. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, how about extra spicy hellfire sauce? You'll feel like a sword is coming out of your mouth instead of Jesus's. <laughs> Catchphrase. <laughs> All right, I got one more. What about chipotle preppers? Food <laughs> with structural integrity. There we go. <laughs> it's drywall. And we'll make it. <laughs> And we'll make them build it. That's and right. with the depressing realizations that that 30 seconds bit was less racist than half of this country's major political party's nominees, we'll close <laughs> the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Tummy sticks. And when we come back, Shannon Lowe will be here to talk about rock and your decision. I don't always eat drywall, but when I do, <laughs> I prefer a fiesta bucket. <laughs> Okay, but but okay, but what about decline pledges though? You know, I mean, every month some pledges are always denied. So maybe we should wait until uh, we... no fucking shot. Yeah, man. But I, I'm eating a bucket of freeze dried fucking sheetrock here. But, but so I, am I. I will fight you. F- okay, fine, fine. All right. So apparently last week I got up to take a shit during the edit, and the next thing I know, I'm obligated to listen to an episode of Be Reasonable and review it on today's show using nothing but compliments. And before I say anything about the episode, I, I want to say that this show is an absolute masterclass in effective dialogue, and if you haven't listened to it before, despite all the shit that I'm saying now, I would highly recommend it. But if and when you decide to dive into the podcast, be reasonable. Try not to do it after having other people volunteer you to review it in compliments. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we reached out to Marsh and his listeners and ours, and they helped us find the perfect punishment for Noah, which would be episode 29, in which Marsh interviews Ian Jacklin. Jacklin is a former kickboxer and actor, best unknown for his role in Kickboxer 3. <laughs> and he runs a website called iCureCancer.com. Yes, he does. It's also the name of a documentary that he produced and directed. Yes, it is. A couple other fun details about Ian Jacklin. He believes in shape-shifting lizard overlords. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Believes that jet fuel doesn't burn that hot. And believes it. he can eliminate your cancer by controlling the pH of your spit. 
Yes. And uh, Noah, listen to this episode. And in addition, each of my colleagues, two of whom sleep where I can get to them, have picked out a few of their favorite clips. So they're going to set up the clips. We'll give it a listen. And then I will react only in compliments. Compliments. Yeah. All right. I'm ready. Okay. So this is our first clip. And this is what Ian thinks of vaccinators. Oh, we're just diving right Let's in. Let's listen. Yeah. If I had a kid and they forced vaccinations, tried to force vaccinations on me, you know, that wouldn't happen. But they're making it so that could happen. If I have a kid in a few years from now, they could have a law on saying that we have to get um, vaccinated or we, we can't even take our kid to school. And there's also some, I think, words about possibly them coming to the house and forcing vaccinations on the children. And that's just straight up Nazism. Straight up Nazism! <laughs> <laughs> like a surf coach. <laughs> so, Noah, complimentary thoughts on that? Um, if most people need steps to get to Godwin's law, but not Ian Jacklin. Way to just dive all the way in there, bro. <laughs> Okay, okay, my turn. This is what he thinks about organic vegetables and the Illuminati. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> the vegetables, back in the 50s, they started dumping pesticides on our foods. The, the Illuminati, the 1%, the, the, the people that run this show, they're, mm-hmm. they, they knew what to do. They're trying to reduce the population. So they basically well, made can our just food... just stop there for one second? Why are they trying sure. to reduce the population? Let's, I just want to try and unpick things. I know. Go. That's a great question. <laughs> if you if you ever find one of them, ask them for me. <laughs> okay. So we, we, don't have a good, we don't have a reason for that. It's just something that we, we accept that they're doing. Yeah. Well, they said they are. If you look at the Georgia Guidestones, the, you know, it says that they're trying to get the popula- population down to 500,000. Okay. Okay. What do you think? The Georgia... Uh, Boy, did he pronounce the shit out of most of those words. He did. <laughs> it's true. He said all of the words with all the syllables. Mm, pretty much. Okay, my turn, my turn. This is, he's not against a challenge, right? This is his challenge to the skeptics. Mm-hmm. You, you, here's what I want. You get them PhD guys together at a university. Give them 12 patients. Give me 12 patients. You watch who, who has the most at the end of the day. And we won't use any drugs. Well, um, I, I think you'd find it very, very hard to get ethical approval on, the, on, on that study. But, yeah, because uh, they don't want to lose. They don't want to get their ass handed to them. <laughs> that's, that's, that's one side. The other, the other side is they may be incredibly concerned for the, the well-being of the, the, the 12 who aren't uh, getting treatment. That's getting bollocks. Treatment. They, they, mo- they murder thousands every day. Look at the vaccination thing. That's just a scam. Huh? What do you think? You take him up on it? <laughs> My cousin's a doctor. I can arrange that. <laughs> Confidence is important. Not, not maybe so much when you're offering to murder people through medical neglect by the dozen generally, but you have to, as uh, uh, have to admire right. his... Sit. Bring, bring it in. Yeah, that was a compliment, but you walked it back. Doesn't count. Boy, he sure does change the subject well. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll get that. Okay, but um, important to realize that Ian isn't just all talk here. So this is his story of cancer survival and cure. Sort of. This is what I did. I think I had prostate cancer about a year and a half ago because I couldn't hold my pee. My prostate was swelled up. I had a pH of five, and I thought if Dr. Bernardo was alive, he'd say, if you don't have cancer, you're going to have it. So smarten up. Get on an alkaline diet, which I did. I did a blend fast with vegan only for two months. Got my pH from 5 to 7.4 in about two months. And the peeing issues went away. I made sure I didn't have any, you know, 
um, uh, infections or anything in my bladder. So I basically just got my prostate back healthy by blending and doing all that. Yeah, he was pretty sure he had <laughs> prostate cancer. quite certain <laughs> he had prostate cancer. That's, that it sounds burned real. when he peed. <laughs> um, you know, compared to other people I know with Jacqueline in their names, he's very original. He's coming <laughs> up with his own. But that's shit. just an insult to somebody else, not a yeah. compliment to Ian. I don't, yeah, think, I don't think that again. counts. Um, boy, is he good at coming up with on-the-spot excuses for why his girlfriend caught him rubbing oil on his taint and then sticking with him long-term. Got to admire <laughs> true. I don't need an that. excuse for that. Okay. I just said, go away. <laughs> <laughs> Get out! <laughs> now, he also has got some thoughts on Andrew Wakefield oh, that we should no, listen to. Oh, hell no, not that part. Oh, come uh, on. Send his pick. Send his pick. As far as we're concerned, Andrew Wakefield was right, is right, always will be right. So I don't know about all that other drama in there. So don't hit me with the Andrew Wakefield. It's bullshit. Just look at the numbers. <laughs> come on. What do you think? What do you think? That that one isn't fair. Oh, come on. You know you have something nice to say about endorsing whooping cough and infants. Loyalty is important. Loyalty is important. <laughs> That's true. Okay. That's true. Okay, comedy break. He's moving in with a four-year-old. Oh, God, he and is. here's his thoughts on treating coughs or whatever. Who the fuck knows? And I'll tell you right now, uh, I got a five-year-old that I just started living with, uh, moving into a new situation. And he had, I'm, I didn't go to, the, I don't go to doctors, but I'm pretty sure he had whooping cough and gave it to me. And I had it out of our system within a week with, you know, no one I'm known with the holistic stuff. And all these other kids just walking around for months with that crap. I mean, there's just, I'm sorry, the holistic way is the only way. God put it all there for us, you know. Moving stuff, huh? <laughs> Thoughts? <laughs> that his willingness to spend time with people more mentally mature than him is, is admirable, assuming he doesn't accidentally kill them with his stupidity. Is that a compliment? Uh, mm. I don't think that's a compliment. <sighs> nope. Fuck. Okay. Um, hey, Ian, way to reduce the number of potential seat kickers on my next flight to the West Coast, bro. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, yeah, that's good. That was a hard. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Um, now I want to point out that Marsh closes the episode with this really excellent thought on why people tend to believe in conspiracies and the need for control. It's genuinely moving and empathetic and... Not the clip Noah has to compliment. Instead, this is Ian's response oh, to that. Of all fucking... Okay. I say be open and follow your heart. You cleanse your pineal gland, your third eye. You know, stop the aspartame. Don't drink any sodas. Uh, don't, I don't know what they did in, in America. They put fluoride in our drinking water the same way they did in the Nazi camps for the, for the Jews at Auschwitz. Well, yeah, for the record, we have no idea what the Nazis did to the Jews in off switch <laughs> so it was dark maybe there. he's just breaking new historical ground here good for him uh the sarcasm moved to strike i'm not sure, sure. that counts no. oh okay all right i got a compliment for you marsh is a goddamn saint and deserves all the cookies or biscuits or crumpets or whatever because his simple ability not to reach down the throats of these ridiculous jackasses and rip out their larynxes for the sake of humanity is downright herculean so go <laughs> marsh but you're supposed to compliment Ian. That was the whole... Fuck that. Was... You guys just said compliments. <laughs> Off switch. <laughs> v 
very excited to welcome my next guest to the show. Shannon Lowe is the lead singer of The Order of Elijah, a metalcore band that has been described as Christian but probably won't be anymore. Shannon made waves in both the atheist and Christian music communities late last month when he posted a lengthy explanation of his newfound atheism to Facebook, and he joins us tonight to talk about the reaction to the post as well as the thought process that led up to it. So first of all, Shannon, welcome to The Scathing Atheist. Hey, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Pretty damn good. So before we talk about the post or the band or anything like that, I, I want to talk about you a little bit. Were you raised in a religious family? Uh, I went to church as a family. My my mom and dad would send me on a church bus, but they weren't really big fans of going themselves. So I think it wasn't – I didn't get baptized until I was 20. So most of my childhood was just on and off. Um, so now, all, all the headlines that I'm seeing about your story uh, say something along the lines of, like, lead singer of a Christian band comes out atheist. Now, do you think it would have been appropriate before all this to classify the Order of Elijah as a Christian band? Um, there was many times where uh, we, we were, we did say that we were. We were signed to a Christian label for a few years, and we stepped away. Uh, this was before I uh, had shed religion. I, I, a lot of these these titles you're seeing on the articles, I mean, they are a little bit of clickbait, but I mean, it, there's there's honesty in it. It's they're not lying. It's just it's a little bit of a, a more edgier thing to say. You know, Christian band singer says he's atheist. Right. And I've uh, it, people that have been following my personal page uh, would have found it quite easy to to realize what was going on probably about six months ago, but. This is, I, I mean, a lot of credits going towards the God delusion and stuff. I read that book like in August of last year. So, uh, but whenever we first did this, I told in an interview last year that we weren't a Christian band. We wanted to step away from that, but I didn't come out and say that I was atheist. I wasn't ready to really tell people that I really didn't know how people we're gonna, you know, and, uh, mm. it, it would, the, the whole family and all that. And I just wanted to get us away from that. And I thought that would be good enough. That way there, I wouldn't have to put everything out there. And, you know, God damn it, you wouldn't believe it, but Christians are really picky about what they listen to. <laughs> As it turns out, yeah. <laughs> Every time we would do anything that wasn't aligned with the Christian belief so that we would start getting hammered to the wall. Uh, we went through a short period where, you know, they were just, just, uh, pretty much demanding a lot of answers. So that, that, that was kind of the result of why I typed up the whole thing on Facebook to, you know, let everyone know, I guess the testimony. Gotcha. So now do you think like, I, I mean, is this going to cost you venues? Is this going to cost you fans? Are you making a professional sacrifice by telling everybody about this? I don't believe so. At first I thought so. You know, I was staying really optimistic in the beginning. I was just trying to let everyone know where we're, uh, I, I remember I put up a, a meme, um, standing up for LGBT equality and, uh, that upset them. And, uh, the response, the, the level of negativity, I mean, it, I, I'll be honest, it pissed me off. And I, so I just, I was like, well, you want to see what we really think on a few other things? So I was posting some just trivial stuff there for a while in between posting our music. And it just, it turned into havoc and I realized pretty quickly that they had a completely different assumption of what we were all about. So, uh, figured, you know, uh, ever since then we've had a, a great response from the atheistic community. Uh, honestly, it, it's been, it's been really 
really nice. Uh, it's a breath of fresh air. And uh, since I, I came out and I explained my whole situation, um, a lot of similar-minded people have hit me up, told me about their testimony. And so, I mean, uh, I have really high hopes for our future. Right on, man, right on. Um, now, I wanted to circle back to this as well. You mentioned the God delusion as being very pivotal uh, in sort of your, your deconversion, or at least in your coming out, was there like a particular argument or anything like that that you remember from there that just really left you just setting down the book going, oh, holy shit? Uh, there was a couple different times. That was the first book I've, I, I read. I had, at the time I said I was agnostic. So it was, it was just in the beginning of me slipping away. So I, uh, I picked it up and that, I mean, he, he's so smart, uh, as far as biology goes. I, there's some parts that is that you have to bite through because you know he's he just goes right above your head and then he'll wrap it up later on and you're like oh okay I see what you're talking about but I would say one of the things that was really crazy is he was comparing a mosquito flying into a candle the same way that you would see the dudes flying a plane into a building uh-huh. and he said that the mosquito it uses the candle or the sun alight as a compass to tell it where to go and when to go there. And whenever you see a mosquito do this, it looks as if the mosquito is killing itself, committing suicide, when really that's not what the mosquito believes it's doing. It's actually just following its compass. Right. And he explained, you know, he went into thorough detail, uh, comparing that to all of the misfires. He said, this is a misfire of evolution. That, including with all of the uh, other atrocities that we see, whether they're uh, bombing abortion clinics or pushing a a, a poor gay kid to suicide or something, that these are misfires of their compass. And boy, that I I just looked back at my life and I was like, man, like so many things that have misfired. So, I mean, that that was one of the kind of analogies that really kind of stuck with me. Every time I've watched something, I see that now. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I thought one of the things that really struck me about the post that you put on Facebook was where you talked about how, you know, once you sort of started to, 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 you know, follow this, this, this godless path, you started to take a little bit more control of your own life, a little bit more responsibility for your own problems rather than giving them up to God, giving them up to Jesus. Whereas I believe that most religious people think it goes the other way, right? Like that the secular people have the problems that they solve when they come to Jesus. Yeah. You know, I was part of a church for a long time. There's some really nice people in there, but uh, what I what I feel like they do is they they tend to get the people that are either socially awkward or they're just went through a traumatic experience, something like that, and the lash on. And I think that it's it's just a it's just a rock that they throw towards secularism because I've met people that are secular that have gotten through you know, traumatic events in their life better than I have. I've met people that go through religion. Religion seems to be a lot of a temporary cure too. people will, will go into it and they'll start getting involved with the church. I've seen them come and go and they'll be in there for, you know, a few months, boom, they're out doing their, their same old thing. And I think that, uh, science and reality, whenever you, whenever you realize the psychology of what's wrong with you, why, why, why you're doing this? Why do you want this? Why do you want to consume whatever it is you're consuming that you shouldn't be? And, and you learn how to get to the origin and the problem of that. You have a, a much more intellectual way of being able to combat this problem whenever it comes back every time. And rather than 
you know, like you said, giving it to God. And I, I, I've, I don't know how many times I, I prayed to God to take away my drive for alcohol, you know, and, uh, and there wasn't anything magical. It was just that I decided to go to college and to me, and that suddenly meant more to me than the alcohol did. So in the, in the process, I, I had to learn how to kick it. Right. And, and, and with the realization that no one's coming to help, it makes it, you know, definitely puts the onus a little bit more on you to do that. So, um, so now you've got, you guys, your, your newest album is called, uh, God's Unwanted Children. Is that correct? No, that's a name of a song on the album. Oh, my bad. My bad. The, the album's called War at Heart, but we have a new song coming out, which is off that album. And it, the name of that song is War at Heart. So that's kind of confused here and there, but. Yeah, it was written kind of, it was written literally in the transition of all of this happening. <laughs> oh, right on, right on. Awesome. And I gotta say, I, I'm very impressed with a lot of the wordsmithery in your lyrics. Maybe, you know, I don't know a hell of a lot about your genre, but it was definitely more, um, ly- lyrically dexterous than I was expecting out of the style. It was a, a very <laughs> interesting yeah. listen. Um, and, uh, okay. No, oh, I'm sorry. So I had the name of your album and the name of your, your tour, uh, uh, switch up. What's the, what's the name of the tour? The name of the tour is God's Unwanted Tour. All right. All right. That's what I, <laughs> that was okay. actually named by a fan. <laughs> oh, right on. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, if, if you decide to follow this up with a very atheist themed album, maybe the Unwanted Gods Tour next time around. Huh? <laughs> tell you what, I got one last question and this is a bit of a cheat of a question because I actually saw a post about it on your Facebook page. So I already know the answer. Um, but uh, now that you've come out atheist, will the order of Elijah change its name? No. Oh, no. That has been a demand. God damn, they want us to, like, they did, we can't even claim the name Elijah anymore. Uh, no, we're not gonna change our name. If, if anything, we can be known as the guys that used to be Christian and now we're atheists for all I care. But, uh, people, you know, want us to change the name. I was like, well, what? The name of this band is signed to a contract with Luxor Records and we're proud to be with them. We're, we're not going to change that or anything. So, Right. I, I really liked your response on Facebook there. That basically, hey, you know what? The Christians already hijacked all the holidays and marriage and every other <laughs> damn thing. You know, let us at least have our name. All right. Well, again, thanks again for your time. And of course, if anybody wants to hear more, we're going to have links to the Order of Elijah's Facebook page on the show notes for this episode, as well as a link to the write-up that Hemet Meta did over at the Friendly Atheist blog, did a really good blog post about this. Uh, Shannon, thanks again for your time. All right. I sure appreciate it. It's time for the part of the show that comes next, listener feedback. This is the part of the show that reminds you it's probably time to queue up your next podcast. Our first message comes from Ryan Shidyak on Twitter. He tweets, quote, You're not examining the Quran right, and you're leaving yourselves open to serious and valid criticism from fellow atheists. The Quran can be translated, but it's more important to read and study the tafsirs, explanations, and the consensus of the jurists. End quote. Interesting use of the word important there. Yeah. I'm not sure if that word means what Ryan thinks it means. <laughs> Unless, of course, he's trying to underscore the extent to which all things are more important than reading the Quran. Yeah, nothing like the, the perfect word of God to show you how you can't just read it. You need a bunch <laughs> right. of people to reinterpret it and have a jury <laughs> mean something totally different. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Most books about real things, uh, you can just read them. 
<laughs> the other books on the subject are mostly like, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how evolution works. Yep. <laughs> right. Now, for whatever it's worth, I, I think uh, I hashed out our differences on Twitter with Ryan. But the key here is that we're not trying to understand the Quran so much as make dick jokes about it. That being said, I'm sure eventually we'll read all that other bullshit, too. Can't wait to misunderstand that as well. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. I also received several tweets, messages, emails, carrier pigeons, etc., from folks who wanted to let me know that I mispronounced the word chimera. <laughs> again, I pronounced it chimera. So again, that word is pronounced chimera. No. <laughs> chimera. No. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim chimera. You're so close. Used in a sentence, this nuclear explosion has created a chimera. As soon as we got done recording, Heath and I stepped out to catch a smoke. I says, um, do you want to tell him it's Chimera? No, no. <laughs> and why did we not tell him? Well, for the answer to that question, just recall all of the tweet at No Illusions jokes over the last several weeks. Oh, I get it. Prank war. <laughs> I could not think of a person I want less to think they're in a prank war. Yeah, right. Me. No, no prank war. It's going to poison a well or something. <laughs> prank war. No, no prank no. war. <laughs> And finally, we got a couple Chimera. messages from people pointing out that Eli said anagram when he meant acronym on last week's 30 seconds bit. And apparently several people tried to rearrange the letters of whipping on really delicate sun before realizing Eli had made said error. <laughs> so just so that their time wasn't completely wasted, I want to share a few possible anagrams that Michael sent us for that. Um why rape illogical penis tendon? Wait, like, like he's asking the illogical penis. Yes, yeah, exactly. Why, <laughs> okay. why it would rape? Why illogical penis tendon? <laughs> why? Also, he had uh, dingo antelope phallic winery. Sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. um, and also, this was my favorite. Pow! Agile rapist lynched online. <laughs> the Eli Bosnick story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So if you think about it, I made the show better. That's all I'm saying. I made it. Did good. You helped. <laughs> and that's all the feedback you get. If you want more, keep sending us those emails, tweets, and Facebook messages. You'll find all the contact info on the contact page at skatingatheist.com. Before we fly the coop tonight, I want to remind everybody that tickets are still available for our live record of god-awful movies in New York City on August 12th. Not sure how much longer I'll be able to say that, but you'll find a link to pick up your tickets on the show notes for this episode. And if you don't want to wait that long to see us, look for us at Reason Rally this weekend. I believe we're all going to be getting into town on Friday night. Might be looking to meet up with some listeners then. Reach out on Facebook or Twitter if you're going to be there. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a new episode of our sister show's hot friend, God-awful movies, debuting at 8 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, starting our Mormon movie month over there and we're doing it with a goddamn musical hooray obviously i'd be in dereliction of duty if i didn't thank the brains of the operation heath enright the heart of the operation lucinda illusions and the spleen of the operation eli bosnick also want to thank michael marshall and the Merseyside skeptics for helping us out so much with the skit this week incidentally if you want to hear that full episode of be reasonable we'll have it linked on the show notes i also want to thank shannon lowe from the order of elijah one more time for hanging out tonight again you'll find links to his band's facebook page on the show notes as well also need to thank adam for providing this week's surprise crossover farnsworth quote but most of all of course i need to thank this week's 
hottest humanoids, Rumory, Jordan, Emily, Jack, Suzanne, John, Jennifer, Ashling, Dan, Jody, Amy, Amanda, Thomas, Rick, Garrett, Patrick, Maureen, Katya, Faye, and Joe. Rumory, Jordan, Emily, Jack, and Suzanne, whose intellects are so impressive, Cerebro uses them. John, Jennifer, Ashling, Dan, and Jody, whose generals are so superior, Bruce wrote four volumes about them. Amy, Amanda, Thomas, Rick, and Garrett, whose generosity is so legendary, Bill Gates donates the stuff just to hang out with them. And Patrick, Maureen, Katya, Faye, and Joe, whose neuronal pathways just added high-speed rail. Together, this score of adorable moralist and sure non-core of our sophomoric abhorrence of the deplorable horror of faith this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the money to give us money, but if you do, you can, and we'd appreciate it. You can do so by making a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended edition of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of our homepage. And if you'd like to help with the moths in your wallet, put out that do not disturb sign again. You can also help us a ton by leaving a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast rating vehicle of choice. And you can also find little nuggets of bonus scathism by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, and subscribing to us on YouTube. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. Portions of today's show were originally aired on Be Reasonable, a production of Mercyside Skeptics, and were replayed here with permission. All the music that was used in this episode was written and performed by yours truly, and yes, I had my permission as well. I just came from the other room and a little winded, just a second. <laughs> All right. There was a. Uh, there were no steps. I. I <laughs> uh, we have a one-story house. Yeah. <laughs>